0: RMA would like to acknowledge the traditional Custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Dharawal people. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people listening today.
1: But it just changed everything. I I don't think I was ever gloomy about my foot again as soon as i was pregnant there was never ever a minute where i was like oh poor me my achilles ruptured it was just like i i think i even loved rehab then like there was just so much more perspective in my life where there were other things other than running and um I just was so motivated to get back running still but I had this other kind of carrot dangling that was so exciting for me to chase and know that you know in x amount of months I would get to have a baby because it's something that I wanted to do my whole life. I'm so lucky that it happened quickly because I feel like it was exactly what I needed in my life there and then and it just it healed you know me in every possible way and even could have even healed me physically because i got back to running an hour a day up until 20 weeks pregnant um yeah i was running an hour a day and my achilles was giving me no grief and you know i haven't started running again yet because i'm only two and a half weeks post birth but you know it's again something that i'm just so excited about and to share this next journey with a you know with a little boy
0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast, thanks for listening in. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with a very special guest, one of Australia's best middle distance runners, Genevieve Gregson. Jen is a three times Olympic finalist, having competed at the 2012 London Olympics, 2016 Rio Olympics, and the 2020 postponed Tokyo Olympics. She's also competed twice in the 2014 and 2018 Commonwealth Games and been a finalist in two world championships. She's competed all over the world in many competitions and she also holds the Australian record for her chosen event, the 3000 meter steeplechase. I speak to Genevieve about her journey from her idyllic childhood growing up on a farm inland from the Gold Coast with her family to her athletic pursuits and sliding door moments that led her to compete as an athlete on the world stage to her newest adventure motherhood. Genevieve was a talented runner as a teen and had a passion for the sport from a very young age and it was her parents though that saw potential in her, encouraging her to take a scholarship in the USA where she could not only study but develop her running. As an 18 year old, against her own desires Genevieve went anyway. And although it took her a long time to come to terms with her situation far from home, family and friends, it was this opportunity that would lead Genevieve to qualify for her first Olympic Games in London in 2012. Not only that, Genevieve managed her way through controversy at that time to earn her spot on the Olympic team that year, having initially been left off due to qualifying late for her position, and Athletics Australia overturning their decision, allowing her to compete, which opened up a whole new world and professional running career spending over 10 years now, where Jen has now competed not only in one, but two more Olympic Games finals. We discuss what running meant to her and how she managed training and competing at such a high level. And we talk in depth about her recent devastating injury at the postponed 2020 Tokyo Olympics, where she suffered a ruptured Achilles while competing in the final of the 3000 meter steeplechase. We discuss how this injury devastated her at first, but how she has been able to rehab from her injury and reframe what running looks like in her life. It was this catalyst of events that led Jen and her husband Ryan to consider starting their family, and amongst rehabbing from her injury and surgery, Jen and Ryan have welcomed a little boy, Archer, to the world, and out of all the achievements of her life, Archer would now be considered one of her greatest. We discuss her journey to motherhood through pregnancy and birth and how Jen is managing her new life as a mum and her hopes for her future as an athlete or navigating her latest quest, parenthood. I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. Jen is a beautiful person. It was such a pleasure to speak with. And I hope if you're a new mum or an athlete, you get a lot out of this episode too. For now, let me introduce you to Genevieve Gregson. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocrem Massage Gel. Physiocrem has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocrem has our back. To get your own Physiocrem, head to www.physiocrem.com.au don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocrem at your local pharmacy. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Thank you,
1: Nicole. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yeah, I've obviously just become a mum, so I'm now fitting in here perfectly. So hopefully I can you know tell a little bit of my story being a new mum.
0: Yeah, well, we love highlighting women in Australia that are runners. Now, we highlight on this podcast people from, you know, right at the back of the pack to people who represent our country at the Olympic Games, such as yourself. And we've had quite a few on our podcast. We've had um, Eloise, we've had Jess, we've had Lisa. Um, You know, we've had so many women who've come on here to share their stories. And the reason I created the podcast is because we all have a story. And everybody is so different. Um, But as women, we love to connect and inspire each other, especially in our sport, which is running. Um, And we both share those passions. So thank you for agreeing to come on. And I can't wait to talk about motherhood with you because it's just suiting you so well.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks. I've been dying to be a mother for a long time. So hopefully it suits me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... We will get into the motherhood most definitely in this podcast. But for those of, you know, that are listening that aren't aware, you know, you're one of our country's most amazing middle distance runners. And you've represented Australia three times at the Olympic Games in the finals. You've represented Australia in the Commonwealth Games twice and all over the world in many different um, aspects. You know, you've run your main event, I guess, is the steeplechase, which I really want to get into because I find that super interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) how someone would want to get into the steeplechase and why. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've also watched you evolve as a runner over time and it's been a fantastic journey. Had huge highs and massive lows, um, as we've just witnessed last year at the the Olympic Games, I should say, in Tokyo, um, where you unfortunately fell on your jump in the Olympic final and ruptured your Achilles which we'll definitely get into in this podcast. So there's so many different facets of your life, but I wanted to start right back at the beginning with you like I do like to do with all my guests and talk about your childhood because I think it paints a really good picture when we talk about people's upbringings, like where I guess the tapestry of life has weaved in for them. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like?
1: Yeah, I think the beginnings of uh, me being an athlete came from the way my dad raised all us kids i have three brothers we're all really close in age um pretty much a year apart except for my younger brother is two years younger than me Um, and we lived on a farm at mount tambourine so that's inland from the gold coast for anyone that doesn't know And we lived on 120 acres. We had a beautiful upbringing because we didn't really need anything other than, you know, our own home and all the land we had. So I spent my early years running around a farm with my brothers and uh, yeah, not really doing anything else other than being active. And my dad, he's a pharmacist now, but he also is very into health and he always has been, and I think growing up, I was exposed to like all the important parts you know of your diet that kids probably don't hear about or know about but you know he had us on juices and i mean i laugh whenever people ask me this uh because it is super strange but We had wheatgrass shots growing up. My dad used to grow wheatgrass and we would come downstairs in the morning and before breakfast, we had to have our vitamins, just basic, like probably vitamin D, calcium, all that type of stuff. And then he would have a shot of wheatgrass and probably like an egg cup or something that we had to have before we could have our breakfast. And it was honestly awful. Like we would all dry reach and be like, why are we doing this? This It's so weird. Like no other kids do this but obviously I'm very grateful for everything that he made me do at that age because mm-hmm. it probably had a lot to do with why I was always very healthy. Um, believe it or not, I never got injured, never got sick mm-hmm. and just had a really um, strong upbringing when it came to um, you know illnesses and, and injury. So from there, I was on Mount Tambourine till grade four. Mm-hmm. And when my brother hit high school uh, and he had to go To a new school because we were at a primary school that went up to grade seven Um, mum and dad moved us to logan brisbane where we went to john paul college Uh, and that's pretty much where my running started to come into play all we'd done up at that point was little athletics all my brothers and i did little athletics and again i noticed i was definitely only interested in the running events i hated any field events i was hopeless couldn't jump couldn't throw and i wasn't fast so i didn't like the sprints either Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to John Paul college, they had compulsory cross country event and everyone had to obviously compete. And I, yeah, in grade five, won my first race of, um, I think it was maybe 2k or 3k. I don't even know. And I kind of thought from there, yeah, maybe, maybe running is, is what I'll do. But all us kids did so many sports. My dad and my mum were so great at giving us every opportunity and making sure that we were, um, you know open to anything so i played soccer i played touch football i played hockey i did triathlons um but running was kind of the thing that really stuck to me and and um i was so passionate about and did really well at um And yeah, that just led to me sticking at it till high school. And then in high school, I started getting contacted by American colleges. And that's where I made the decision to go to University of Florida uh, on a full scholarship. Mm. I, I say I made the decision. My parents forced me to go and try it out. They said I had to at least give it a year. And, um against my will, I went over to America and believe it or not, ended up falling in love with Florida and loving every bit of that experience and That was the kind of bit that introduced me to steeplechase. Mm. Um, I went pretty much over there as a distance runner, and I kind of just said, "I run cross country i do a little bit of track, but I'm not that fast. And they just said, well, due to the fact that you've played so many sports, we think you'd be a really good steeplechaser. We need one uh, for team points. Would you be able to try it out? And yeah, pretty much the rest is history. I tried it out, loved it, was pretty good at it. Um, And four years later, I set my sights on making the London Olympic games and getting that qualifier. Mm. And even though I was a bit late, for those that don't know the story, I actually got the time two days after the qualifying date closed um but thankfully to the people in the media and and just people behind me um caused quite a stir and and athletics australia overturned um their decision to not send me and um nominated me to the olympic committee and i was sent to my first olympics and that was the catalyst to my career um after that i decided this is all i want to do i want to be a professional athlete i think i can do this And I've pretty much spent the rest of the time up until Tokyo last year spending six months overseas and six months in Australia Mm -hmm. and competing, just constantly spending my life um, traveling to different training camps around the world. And, yeah, it's been a really, really fun life. It's all about to change for the better. Yeah. Um, I won't be jumping around and spending six months overseas, but it's just been, yeah, a really, really cool experience to be a professional runner and, you know, I know how lucky I am and, and grateful I am for every opportunity. So, um,
0: yeah. I mean, just listening to that, it sounds like it's sort of so easy, you know, <laughs> yeah, here, than here, than here. But I know the life of an athlete is mm-hmm. not easy and I've seen it myself, you know, before we aired the podcast, we're talking about how, you know, you know, my sister-in-law, Deb, who who was an Olympian herself. And to be able to get to that level of sport is not an easy thing to do. And there's a lot of hurdles you have to jump through, um, including, you know, injuries and, you know, tra- traveling all over the world. I mean, you've, you've done all those things. Um, you know, I want to go back first, though, to where, you know, when you grew up on the farm, I mean it's like a theme on this podcast, like with a lot of like elite athletes, they grow up on farms. I don't know what it is. Actually a statistic,
1: Ryan read it out to me that some of our best um, sports people in Australia, like all sports, um, yeah, the common denominator is they all grew up in the country or on a, like, you know, on acreage where, you know, out of the city, essentially where distractions are less and all you have to do is play and be active and be outside. I think it definitely correlates.
0: That's right, it does. And like your you know, your parents and your family like instilled those values, I guess, of, mm-hmm. of an active lifestyle in you and your dad, especially being a pharmacist of a healthy lifestyle. And obviously that stuck with you. And I did listen to a few other podcasts you're on and you talked about how that has played an integral part in your life in staying healthy and fit and active and um, that he instilled those values in you, what's important um, in terms yes. of your diet and for recovery and performance and things like that but what i want to talk about is when you went overseas and this was against your will like you really didn't want to go what were the reasons why you actually didn't want to go i think
1: just being an 18 year old girl that um had a great life in brisbane i'm really close with all my brothers our family was tight knit um I loved running, but I didn't see myself as being an Olympian one day. And I definitely didn't think it was possible to run as a profession. So I think I was more blinded at the opportunity because I saw it again as just running like I did in high school, but for another four years in a totally different foreign, you know, atmosphere. And I just wasn't willing to be away from home and be on my own um and living in a dorm and just it just seemed all too overwhelming for me and i went over and did a recruiting trip with my mum to check out the campuses and and meet all the girls and meet the coach and make sure that i knew well, mum knew where i was going and it was safe um, and it was such a fun experience i remember thinking this place is really cool like you know maybe see myself living here but At the end of the day i was petrified of leaving home for running because running felt like a dead end for me Mm -hmm. um and i think i'm just really lucky that my parents they could see so much potential in me at that stage that i couldn't see i know my dad um, was adamant that i would be an olympian and you know i followed the olympics i had my heroes i would go to the parades and get autographs like i was aware that that was like the pinnacle of our sport and it would be really cool to end up there. I just didn't think that that was in my future. And so when they sent me over, they came over with me. I've got great parents. They took me over and they settled me in and and they were just kind of saying, look, we know you don't want to do this, but if you just give it a year and you still hate it, you can just come home and tell us I tried and it wasn't for me. And I think I, I agreed to that, I guess, but a year again felt like a really long time. And I was kind of like, I just got to suck it up, just get this year done and come home. And then that will be that. Mm -hmm. And even six months in, I think what made it hard is my parents ended up getting a really unexpected divorce, um, that kind of blindsided all of us, especially me being on the other side of the world. Um, so when they separated, I felt like I needed to be home to, you know, help the family move forward and, and get over this. But obviously as an 18 year old, there's probably nothing I can really do. Um, it would just be more detrimental for me to be around the family then. And so that kind of really delayed me getting um, used to being away from home again. So that happened um, January. So I went over there in August, their school year start in August. And I spent, you know, six months there, came home for Christmas, so lovely to see everyone and then I got sent away again and I was just so upset that I got sent away again and then my family um separated in January so Mm -hmm. I think that I would have enjoyed myself so much more earlier if that I didn't have that kind of hurdle to get over but by May um or June that school year I started to run really well I kind of just put all my energy into running because I was really unhappy being away from home. I didn't make friends because I didn't want to make friends. That was completely me kind of being a recluse and staying at home and not, not really taking um, anybody's (coughs) offer of inviting me out on the weekends. Uh, But by May and June, all my efforts that went into running started to pay off. And I actually made the national championship that year as a freshman, as a first year, which, you know, is, um seen is pretty impressive when you're so young versus girls four years older than you mm. uh, and that made me just realize running was my outlet that was kind of how I dealt with difficult situations and again it wasn't me thinking oh I'm good I can be an Olympian it was just me thinking running is how I deal with difficult situations in my life and at the time that separation to me was definitely the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with and so running got me out of that um, and i just started to love just my life there and the surroundings i made friends um, and yeah it kind of snowballed after that i just loved it more and more i think by the end of the second year in college i stopped coming home
0: for <laughs>
1: the summer and kind of made people come visit me mm-hmm. um, but i still kept i kept an email which is really special and it was from my dad kind of trying to calm me down one night when i was really upset and just saying i wanted to come home and he just said although you can't see it now, um, you have so much potential with running and this is an opportunity that kids would die for. You know, you get your school paid for, your living is covered, your food is covered and he's like, and I still believe that one day you'll be an Olympian no matter what you think and so he kept that email and when I made London Olympics, he showed it to me and he's like, I told you, you would always be an Olympian. So there's so many special moments that you can look back now in hindsight and think, wow, that journey did have its, its bumpy parts but imagine if i didn't go you know imagine if i didn't have parents that saw an opportunity and and put me forward to to go over to college because it was a stepping stone to my first olympics and that was a stepping stone to my next two um which is you know even led me to here now
0: uh i mean it's incredible when you think about like just that faith that your parents had in you and you know i really believe in sliding door moments and that was one of them that you know you could have really put your foot down. I mean, I don't think your parents are the ones that are going to give up easily, but (laughs) no, I'm not going and none of this might have ever happened for you. Yeah. have parents like yours that really instilled that, um, I guess, even against what you believed in yourself Mm -hmm. because obviously you didn't have the belief in yourself that they had in you? Like I, I think, you know, now that you're a parent, I guess, would you also parent like that
1: (laughs) so hard like I uh, I get asked that a lot and I ask myself that a lot like the way my parents parented me it was they weren't like pushy hard parents like I never felt that way I respected them a lot and I you know was scared of them in the sense that I wouldn't be a brat and play up too much but the way they knew that that was the right decision Mm. is is a hard one because i'm thinking now that i am a mom and i have a little boy would i be pushy even if he's crying telling me he knows he doesn't want to go and that you know he doesn't want to run anymore and he just wants to stay home and be close to the family how would i make that decision how would i know that i was making the right decision and they do say that they had their doubts especially when i was taking so long to settle yeah. they were kind of thinking oh maybe we should let her come home like maybe Maybe this isn't meant to be, and she just doesn't want to run anymore. But they also knew that I was saying I didn't want to run because I was uncomfortable in a new environment. They knew as soon as I was happy there, I would, you know, run well and remember how much I love it. And they were exactly right. It's just as an 18 year old, I couldn't see that and I couldn't make that decision on my own. Mm. Um, So it's, yeah, it's scary to think like as a parent how do you make the right decisions and know that you're making the right decisions, even when your kids are telling you otherwise, it's, it's such a tricky one. And I don't think anyone will ever know. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: I've just got to hope that um, that instinct kicks in and and I know what to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have an 18 year old daughter Mm -hmm. and I cannot imagine, I mean, my son is actually over in Europe at the moment too. And he's 21. I just, I'm just beside myself. Like, I'm just every day I'm, like, messaging him. He's probably like, mum, will you just leave me alone? But, like, you know, it's really hard to let go of your children. Yeah. If you really believe that they have something in them, you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they did for you. And and it's incredible. I mean, it was the stepping stone to your first Olympic Games, which you didn't even believe you had in you at the time. no. And you're a baby. I mean, you were 18. Like that's really young. It really is really young to be sending someone over to the other side of the world. But what was that experience like for you? Like over there, Mm -hmm. eating in America. And I guess when you finally did enjoy your running, like what was it like to actually live and compete over in college? It, It
1: was a phenomenal experience. And I'm so glad I came out the other side and started to really see the opportunity for what it was. Um, Because I did, I wasted a year
0: um,
1: saying I hated it and not making friends when uh, nothing changed when I started to love it. It was more a mindset of mine um, and I can be really stubborn. So uh, I think any child offered the opportunity to go over um, on a full scholarship should always accept. I would say I get a lot of parents and kids asking me, you know, on social media, uh, for advice, they might have been recruited from some school because it's a big thing now. When I did it, there was I could name maybe two or three Australians over there that were doing it at the same time. But now we have bucket loads of Aussies over there competing for all different schools. It's a really big thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only advice that I say is do your research. There are so many schools over there that actually have three different divisions of levels, and you want to always go to Div One if you child is getting offered scholarships from all schools you got to make sure you're going to the right division and getting the right school that suits you florida for me was perfect because i was a queenslander i loved the sun i loved outdoors um and i was already going to be super homesick so if you had to send me up north uh, to a state where it's freezing it snows Um, and it was just like this totally different different experience. I just don 't think I would have warmed to it as quickly, um, so I just say, do your research, um, speak a lot to the coach and get to know the team if you can, maybe a few of the girls um, or guys because they become essentially your family like your your family is now on the other side of the world, and you 're um, kind of moving in, and your coach is going to be someone you see every single day, so you want to like your coach. they need to be a, a good person, um, and the team will become. Um, you know your sisters and brothers. You spend so much time with them, and I was just so lucky that the school I picked wasn't necessarily at the time really great. They weren't winning all the national championships and and breaking records. But the, I loved the coach. He was so good with me. He knew I was struggling when I was, um, and gave me all the help I needed. And the girls were great. I mean, I had two of um, the girls as my bridesmaid at my wedding. Um, you just end up making friends for life, and I think years your years from 18 to 22 or thereabouts are such like crucial years of your upbringing and, and you developing a character and becoming an adult um, and I think I spent it in the best place possible you know I was learning how to be an adult I was paying my own bills because I was living off campus with friends and um, you know I was going to the food hall but they had for this school they had a dietitian there that helped you kind of pick what foods are right and what are wrong. Um, and you travel every few weeks to different races all over the country. Mm. Um, and it's all covered. Like it's just, it was seriously one of the most amazing experiences and you're treated almost like a professional athlete, but you're still in school getting a degree Mm. and, um, for all the kids that are trying to run or compete in Australia and go to uni, it's, it's close to impossible. You just can't dedicate the time to either of them that they need. Uh, Whereas in America, in the college system you get your own academic advisor that helps you schedule your week, you know, because they know when your training is um, and they put you in classes that allow you to still recover from your training and have enough time or, or not be out at a class really late at night. Um, it's just all there catered to make sure that you can be the best athlete you can be and you can get the grades to stay eligible. Mm. So
0: it's just phenomenal. What did you end up studying.
1: Um, I did applied physiology and kinesiology, which was the kind of the degree, the bachelor that you needed if you wanted to become a physio or go into med school, because I always wanted to be a physio. I wanted to be a pharmacist at the start and my dad's like, no, you don't want to be a pharmacist (laughs) because it's kind of boring. Um, So then, yeah, I wanted to be a physio for most of my time at Florida. Um, and it wasn't until I became a professional athlete where I was like, mm, I don't want to be a physio anymore. <laughs> I see so many of them, um, that I, you know, I got my degree and I did really well in school cause I had so much help. And, um, it's something that I pretty much don't even remember getting a degree. Like my husband spent 10 to 12 years getting his degree cause he was doing it part-time while traveling the world and being a professional athlete. Whereas, you know, I just hit it all out in four years cause I had all the help in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that's good that you've got that too. You know, you never know when that might come in handy. Than yeah, exactly. I have got degree. Um, so it's great. Because, you know, I, I do think, like in Australia, it's, it is hard. It is hard to be an athlete and work or study. It's super hard. It's so it's different, different yeah. to overseas. Um, and I know people that, myself, that are at the high level trying to compete and working full time. I just. Yeah, it's. Can't
1: imagine because I get to put all my eggs in one basket as a professional athlete. You know, my days are evolved around training really hard and then recovering really well. Obviously that's going to change now that I have a baby, but um, you know, I've, I've had all the opportunities in the world to get the most out of my body as a professional athlete. Uh, Yet a lot of people on my team, um, Melbourne track club are balancing both, you know, they're, they're still trying to um, work and, or go to uni and then, You know turn up and do the same training i'm doing and it's just such a balancing act um you know you start noticing things like your body breaks down or you're um not training as well because you're probably fatigued so it's a hard thing to to have your cake and eat it too in that situation
0: absolutely um i want to talk about how you've you know your olympic games so you went to london in 2012 you've been to rio in 2016 and tokyo in 2020 which was postponed obviously um I want to talk about your first experience at the Olympic Games, like, can you tell us what that was like for you standing on the world stage in that capacity for the first time?
1: Yeah, it was, I'm sure what anyone would imagine it was like, it was just surreal. It was like a fairy tale um, because the way I was selected was so controversial. The whole time I was thinking, this is too good to be true, this is too good to be true. Of course, they're going to knock me back. This nomination's never going to go through. Um, so when I was actually selected and I started doing things like sending emails and filling out, um, the uniform documents, it was just so surreal, but exciting and overwhelming because I was at, you know, constantly talking to my family back home and everyone was trying to like plan flights and accommodation. I think it was only t- three weeks out from the Olympics. Cause again, like it was all late. Um, and I just remember thinking, I'll never, ever forget this moment, this feeling, like everything I did, even when I went to the village for the first time, when I went into my room for the first time, like everything I did, I remember saying to myself, you'll never forget this feeling. And um, on the morning of my race, which was my birthday again, (laughs) um, I actually went out onto my balcony. My race was at about nine in the morning. So I probably woke up really early, like 5.30 or 6 to get ready. And I took a video of myself on my balcony talking to the camera for that reason because I never wanted to forget that excitement that I had bottled up.
0: Did you go to the opening ceremonies? Yes. the first Olympic Games?
1: Yes. Um, me oh. and Ryan have a really cool photo where we've, like, leant down into the television because um, we, like, saw, um, yeah, I don't know, it was Channel 7 or something at the time and we recognised because there's so many different channels out there for all the different countries and we saw channel seven and we've like leant down and waved straight into the camera. Um, and I've got a really cool picture of it that I have on our fridge actually. Um, but yeah, the opening ceremony was, it was phenomenal and I made sure I did it. See, I didn't do the opening ceremony at, um, Rio or I don't even know if there was one at Tokyo for athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, but because London was my first Olympics and I didn't know if it was going to be my last, I took it all in. I did everything. I did the opening ceremony. I did the closing ceremony. Um, you know, I ate every single thing you could possibly eat in the village. Um, they had like a, a free McDonald's there and they had this massive dining hall with all these different cuisines. Um, me and Eloise laughed because we were trying to think like how much weight we could possibly put on after our race. And I told her that none of my uniform fitted by like five days after my race. <laughs> it's just like a celebration once, cause my, it was on my birthday. Once I raced and you know, I was happy to be there. I did a PB. I got knocked out. I didn't make the final. Um, you just, yeah, go out and enjoy. You watch other events. Like I watched Sally win the gold. There was just so many things that you could do and there was parties on all sponsors put parties on so like there was a new balance party there was an oakley party there was just a really fun celebration and even when I had my race and I walked out onto the track I just remember being like this stadium is massive I've never experienced anything like it to this day it was just jam-packed full um I remember looking up and thinking like I wonder where my family is they're in here somewhere and, yeah, just feeling the vibrations of people screaming and yelling and cheering, I felt that the whole race. Um, it, it would just be a lifetime memory that, you know, I hope never fades.
0: Oh, such an incredible moment. I mean, I remember watching Deb, my sister-in-law, at her first Olympic Games and, well, her only Olympic Games, I should say, Sydney 2000 of all Games, oh. um, down on her birthday as well uh, which was pretty incredible um and i was right up like so high (laughs) in the stands but as family like we were so excited like so excited and proud that she had made the olympic games like I mean, I can only imagine what your parents were thinking in that moment. Has your yeah. dad ever expressed to you or your mum?
1: Oh, yeah. It was just like, and this really special thing about the Olympics for us is, as I said, um, my family separated in 2009 um, and they were they were civil but they had nothing to do with each other until in 2012 when I made the Olympics and it was all this controversy. They kept the, the newspapers and um TV channels kept wanting to do interviews with my family. Cause I was in America, there wasn't much they could do with me. And they kept contacting dad or mom saying, we really want to do a story. Like, can we get the family together and do an interview? And they obviously didn't know that my parents were separated. So my mum and dad started speaking for the first time since the separation to organize, you know, my dad would call mom and say, look, they want to do an interview. You should be there. We should all be there together. Do you want to come over? And, yeah, it brought my family back together, well, my mum and dad back together because they had to communicate and and be in the room together talking about their daughter who's just made her first Olympics. And, really, they've been friends ever since. It was like that allowed them to bury the hatchet and kind of think we – created an olympian and you know there's nothing that we should be hostile about let's let's um you know put it behind us and they all went to london together and you know they stayed and obviously in separate places but they traveled around together they watched my race we all celebrated at a pub afterwards it was just this huge celebration of um you know my whole family being there with me my family being together again since the divorce and yeah me being at the olympics it was so special
0: That is. And I mean, it is a celebration for everybody. Like, you know, I guess they were just as much a part of it as you and working towards it, you know, um, as a whole family unit, which is just beautiful. I love that. Let's talk about Tokyo now. Um, I know Tokyo, I mean, Tokyo, I mean like that's (laughs) just like a lot. Um, So, you know, you had made, like you'd run the trials for Tokyo and then, it got postponed. So how did you react in that moment? And what did you do, I guess, in the lead up to Tokyo after that point when we really didn't even know if the games were going to even go ahead?
1: Yeah, it was a a really strange time. It all feels like a blur now that You know 2020 was so long ago because we entered the year of 2020 thinking it was an olympic year Um, i remember both ryan and i were in really good shape i was healthy you know which was rare Mm -hmm. and um yeah we were just excited for the season ahead and i mean covid started to kind of creep into the news like february um because we had some people in our group in our running group, go over to uh, Tokyo for like a marathon. Mm-hmm. And I remember Athletics Australia kind of telling us um, anyone coming back from Japan is going to have to isolate. And if they come to training, that means you can't, you have to isolate. And it was, it was just all this like close contact talk. And I just thought it was so bizarre and far-fetched that we were all overreacting a little bit. Um, but it was because, you know, you started to hear how contagious it was and that it was spreading. Um, and then it was kind of, yeah, by early March, there was just so much talk about the olympics being cancelled um and we did a lot of interviews around that time saying you know what do you think do you think the olympics will be cancelled and i just remember ryan saying they've only ever cancelled the olympics for a world war like this will not happen um the olympics will go ahead and you know it's just Media being media. There's, you know, in 2016, the Zika virus was the media, and in 2012, there was terrorist threats. Like, there's always something for the Olympics to, you know, worry about. Um, And it was, yeah, a week later, we all turned up to training on Tuesday, which is our hard track day. And I just remember my coach coming over and he's like, Olympics has been postponed a year. And we were just like, oh my gosh, you know, a whole year. And he'd also said in the same sentence, like, the trials have been canceled. They were one week away. He's like, there's no more trials. They've been canceled and the Olympics being postponed. And we just couldn't believe it. Cause I was like a whole year, um, like so much can happen in a year. And even like for Ryan and I, we're not super young. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, injury is always around the corner with your body at this level. You're always kind of balancing on a fine line. And it was pretty heartbreaking to think, you know, something that you were so ready for and you'd worked so hard for for four years has now moved a year and you know a lot of people would say oh you know it's more time to train and, and get fitter And but for us it was kind of more a worry because none of us had secured our spots you know it's not like we were all definitely going to the olympics and we just had to wait one more year it meant that the trials were moved everything like qualifying times everything was jeopardized at that time. Um, and no one was assured of making the team. So it just added kind of a lot of uncertainty for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I my coach set up uh, a run around the 10 for anyone that lives in Melbourne, they would understand. Um, you know, my coach was like, look, you're really fit. You're ready to go. There's gonna be no races, um, you know, indefinitely. Um, Why don't you try break the 10 record? And I was kind of like, yeah, why not? I'm I'm ready to go. And I was still at that point in time, motivated and fit and and ready to go. And I had that mindset. And I just remember thinking there was a lot of pressure because I turned up, it's completely deserted because at that point people weren't really going out because we were all hearing of coronavirus for the first time um and just a few newspapers turned up and photographers and i was like this is so awkward if i don't break the record because they're gonna have to just turn around and walk home because there's no story but lucky enough um you know i had a a friend pace me and i ended up breaking the record so that was really fun but after that things kind of felt like they went south you know the world just kept talking about more and more things shutting down and and things not going ahead um obviously travel and everything so we had all our flights booked to go over to america for a training camp and and you know follow the normal schedule we do and we had to quickly cancel all that i mean most people lost money i'm sure um but it was just like a chaotic time Mm. because we didn't know how to um train from then on like we've never had been told oh just train indefinitely and we'll let you know when when your next race is Um, and i think for athletes at that level you really gotta be careful you gotta turn down the intensity and my coach kind of just said to us um yeah start training at a level that you honestly feel like you could stay in a holding pattern doing Um, so for me that was taking out my cross training because i was cross training a lot to stay really aerobically fit Um, he's like take that out that's going to mentally burn you Um, just we're going to do a very basic week where it was like K reps on a Tuesday threshold on a Thursday. Um, And he's like, we just go into a holding pattern now until we hear more. And for a few weeks there um, I did struggle. I think I did one session. I was just running so badly. My My reps were getting slower and slower and I had no reason other than just mentally being, um, checked out. Uh, and I kind of text my coach and I just said, I'm not there. I'm like training terribly. I don't know why I have no reason for it. And he's like, just take a few days, stop, stop doing sessions, just run, just run for enjoyment. And pretty much after that, um, because I had Ryan who was great. Uh, he didn't stress at all. We we ended up just really taking advantage of that downtime of COVID. We went and spent time with family who we never get to spend winter with And just, yeah, enjoyed running with no end goal. Um, You know, we went out, we didn't go out. We would go out for our runs, um, come home, watch Netflix all day, like have dinner with our family, just did things we honestly haven't done our whole career. And 2020 ended up being a really relaxing time for us. Um, We actually went overseas uh, in August 2020 because there was still a European season. All the Diamond Leagues were still on. Um, it was all crazy protocol. Like we got tested everywhere and flights were cancelled all the time. It was a stressful time to go over there, but um, we still tried to keep it pretty normal and, and not be too far removed from competitive racing so that when 2021 rolled around, we you know knew what we were doing and our body wasn't foreign to, to racing at a high level. Mm. And yeah, pretty much started 2021. It was like Groundhog Day. We just did it all again. And um, yeah, tried to... Mimic what we would normally do in a competition year, and and make sure that the Olympics felt like the Olympics. I think what a lot of people struggled with is in Tokyo, it was weird. There was no crowd. There was testing. You know, every morning um, there was bubbles. You, know, you kind of sat in at dinner. The dining hall was strange. You know, you had masks on everywhere you go. It was just a totally different experience. And for someone like me who had been to other Olympics, I just remember thinking. Um, yeah this this feels strange this doesn't feel like the olympic games um so all my mental kind of strength went into reminding myself this is the olympics this is as big as it gets this is where you have your you know your best race of your career you've worked for five years um and i believe i was in that shape and i was ready to have the best race in my life it's just that last month leading into tokyo where i'd done a few steeplechases back to back my body did get to that point where it was on a knife's edge and I knew it was, it's just at that point, what can you do? You know, you can't have a few days off and go, Oh, I'm going to pass on the Olympics. Um, More inevitable what was ahead of me, but I just thought, um, you know, I'll try to pull this off. And I was actually um, seeing your sister, probably every day for treatment and um, just trying to get through um, unscathed before. Yeah. race that ended up kind of severing that
0: oh i mean i remember watching i was watching the final and i was so excited like because the camera was on you and like yeah (laughs) country we're excited to watch our athletes run and watching you fall and then watching being wheeled, wheeled off the track you know your hands and hand know, in your hands and started, so yeah. visibly upset it was just so devastating and gutted. for yeah. you. How was? It, how did that feel? Like what? How were you feeling in the race? And then what went through your mind when that actually happened? When you fell and on the last on that jump.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a blur. It's such a strange thing to think back to, but um, I remember in the first round, so my heat that was a few days earlier. Yeah, I was just I was lucky to get through. I was honestly felt like I was running on one leg um because I was dealing with my Achilles, my left Achilles being sore. And um getting through that heat, I remember just being elated and being so excited, being like, Okay, now that I've done that, I'll be totally fine. That was where the risk laid and and now that I realize my body's okay, um, I'll be fine for the final and I can run like I run and and be stress-free and give it my all. But yeah, warming up for the final you just know, even though you're bluffing yourself, like at the time, if you had to ask me, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm great. I'm ready to go. I feel like my body is just good enough to get a really good race out. But in hindsight, like there were so many little things that I was trying to do to make sure that my body was right. Like even just right before I walked out on the track, I retied my shoe like three or four times just because it didn't feel right. And it was just it was kind of my body saying, like, you're in pain, your your body's not ready, your biomechanics are off, but you know, I thought readjusting my shoe would be the thing that could fix that feeling. Mm. Um, and then even when the gun went, um, it was a strange race. It started off really slow and then all of a sudden the pace just went bang and like really picked up. So I was at the back of the pack when it was slow, because that's what I always do. You can kind of navigate the hurdles better. Um, you know, people get anxious and jumpy. And I just like to have my space, but when the pace really picked up, I just didn't feel like I had my same sort of power in both my legs. I was definitely running dominantly with my right. Um, and it was kind of carrying my body cause my left was sore. And when I came to probably the last K, I remember thinking any move you make needs to happen now, because this is where a lot of the race kind of unfolds is in that last K when girls are tired. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought I was timing it perfectly. I started taking girls in the second last lap and, and felt pretty good. And at the bell I actually took two Americans, which one girl was meant to win a medal. She had a terrible day. And the other um, I knew was a really good athlete. So when I started going around those girls, I thought I'm on here. You know, I could finish as high up as I ever have, you know, who knows what the time will say, because I didn't know what pace we we're running. But as I came around, like with maybe 200 meters to go, yeah, I just noticed that my body was kind of saying, you've been carrying your whole body with your right foot. Um, you know, something's got to give at some point, but I just really ran into the barrier to give one last effort over the water. And as I hit the ground on my right foot, which is yeah, my dominant, normally my healthy strong foot, mm-hmm. I just felt that gunshot. And it was just so loud and so distinct that i didn't really even need time to comprehend what had happened it's like i just knew it's like my body kind of thought okay there it is that's what was going to give you know after this last month this is what it came to and i reached around to feel it just to clarify i didn't like break a bone or something because the the feeling and the sound was so um aggressive and as soon as i felt the back of my heel i just like didn't even i kind of I think i just put my head down and i was like oh my god i've ruptured my achilles like out of all things that i could have possibly done you know i kept contemplated tearing an achilles or you know rolling your ankle and even breaking a bone which you would take over rupturing your achilles but um i kind of just laid there then i didn't even consider the girls that were coming behind me and landing in the pics i was straight in the middle mm-hmm. um it felt like a lifetime lying in that pit and some say i was there for a while but I got picked up pretty quickly um, once I told them that I had to be taken off in a wheelchair because I knew I wasn't going to be able to use that foot. I Yeah, it was just um, heartbreak. I think as an athlete, you know how important your Achilles are. Um, But what kind of flooded my thoughts was more so all the effort that you put in to stay healthy. Like even just the last month when I knew I wasn't well and my foot was a bit off all the times like Ryan had massaged my calf to make sure it was loose, all the treatment that I'd got from the medical team, you know, all the cross training I'd done to offload it a little bit and all the anti inflammatories that I thought would, you know, fix me to get through this race. Um, all that kind of floods into your head and you're like, Oh my gosh, this was all a waste of time because it ended with a DNF at the Olympics. Um, and I was just, yeah, kind of heartbroken and, um, frustrated, Mm -hmm. and scared that it would be the end of my career so it was um yeah a few days where I was pretty pretty um yeah down in the dumps
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine (laughs) yeah like I mean it's funny because you said before that like running was the one constant that you had in your life Mm -hmm. and in that moment did you feel like that was it for running for you was that yeah. the fear that you had that you may never be able to run again
1: yeah it was petrifying because like I said athletes know injuries and they know the scale of what they mean and a broken bone can heal a stress fracture can heal um, torn muscles can heal even torn tendons can heal but when you hear of a ruptured Achilles you immediately think oh okay they're done and that thought when i was lying there it wasn't just um you know i ended this olympics in the dnf it was i'll never get to prove what i was capable of ever again like if this is the injury i have i've ruptured my achilles i'll never ever get to be on a world stage and show just how good i could have been Um, and yeah i was i was really negative for quite some time like weeks i would say even though i might not have showed it ryan said that i dealt with it very well and didn't really show it um, I definitely thought about that for hours at a time. I mean, I remember flying home and most of the flight, I just lay there kind of with a bit of anxiety, just kind of resting on my chest because I thought, what now, like, what am I doing? I don't want to do anything else. Um, obviously a little part of me was like, at least I can start a family, but, you know, running was like you said, it was my constant. It was the one thing that I could rely on through anything that I did, whether it was, you know, happy times of my life or sad times. It was the thing that brought me so much joy and I was so passionate about. And it's where my whole career began. And, you know, it all ends in one foul swoop uh, in rupturing your Achilles. It was just a really scary and um, unstable time because it was just unknown of, of where I would go from there. Mm.
0: I can imagine what it would feel like um I've never competed at that highest level of sport myself but and to have running taken away from me would be so devastating um but as we know this isn't the end for your career um and you have proved to everybody how strong you are and how capable you are I mean you have gone through much rehabilitation i've been watching on as you've been rehabbing this achilles um, intently and it's it's heartwarming to see that you have movement back and you started to run again um and also this injury allowed you i guess to open up the possibility of starting your family and you did and i do want to talk about that now um you know when did you actually, you know, was it a, was it an actual decision that you guys made together to start your family or was this just something that happened yeah. <laughs> after you guys got home?
1: Yeah, no, my mom thinks I'm crazy. Cause I plan everything, including where kids fall into my life. But that, that was another thing with the postponement of the Olympics back in 2020, I always had in my mind, I want to start a family, you know, I'm not super young anymore. Um, and pushing the Olympics back and it also meant, um, you know, it was back to back then with the Commonwealth Games. It was a world championship that I wanted to do. It just really threw a spanner in the works with timing and, and when I wanted to have children and when I thought the right time was. But um, I kind of just thought, I'll see how I go at the Olympics. If I go really well, maybe I'll hold on and do another Com Games and then have a baby. Um, and I think I even said, if the Olympics go really bad or if I get a really bad injury, I'll have a kid then. Um, and turns out I got a really bad injury, um but it's really funny because I kid you not, and I said this in I think an article the other day when they wheeled me off and I was you know just distraught, and I was under the stadium um with the team doctor uh he got his phone and and called Ryan for me because I was you know just desperate to talk to him because he was actually doing um commentating on. Uh, for SEN in London. So he was, you know, well and truly aware of everything that was going on. Um, When I was on the phone to him, I just said, um, you know, I was obviously crying and he's like, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I just said, Um, what do you want to do? I know you're in London to continue your season, but like, I'm going home. I have to get surgery. You know, what do you want to do? And he's like, I'm coming home. Of course I'm coming home. And I was like, okay, good. Because I want to have a baby. (laughs) And That's exactly what we'll do. And he's like, I'll come home. um, You know, let's try, start a family. And I think that should just be the priority. And it was, he came home. We did hotel quarantine together. I got my surgery, which was very interesting. I was literally bedridden for those two weeks. Um, and then a month later I fell pregnant and yeah, it was just so exciting because at that point in time, I kind of wasn't even rehabbing yet. They, for, I think eight weeks, I couldn't do anything on my foot. I was in a boot, or a cast and a boot. Um, and they were kind of more just like, let the body heal as much as possible. And then you can start rehab. Um, so we just really enjoyed family time. Went on a holiday, um, and just took a lot of downtime to just comprehend what had happened. And yeah, when I found out I was pregnant, we obviously didn't tell people for a long time because you know Ryan didn't want to, he wanted to be sure. <laughs> He's like really worried like that. Um, but it just changed everything. I, I don't think I was ever gloomy about my foot again. As soon as I was pregnant, there was never ever a minute where I was like, oh, poor me, my Achilles ruptured. It was just like, I, I think I even loved rehab then. Like there was just so much more perspective in my life where there were... Other things other than running. And um, I just was so motivated to get back running still. But I had this other kind of carrot dangling that was so exciting for me to chase and know that, you know, in X amount of months I would get to have a baby because it's something that I've wanted to do my whole life. Mm -hmm. um and even now like he's sitting there and Ryan's like you know what's impressive and I was like what And he goes less than a year ago you ruptured your Achilles and told me you wanted a baby and he's right here now and I was like (laughs) it's true I'm really happy with that and I'm just I'm so lucky that it happened um quickly because I feel like it was exactly what I needed in my life there and then and it just it healed you know me in every possible way and even could have even healed me physically because I got back to running an hour a day up until 20 weeks pregnant. Um, Yeah, I was running an hour a day and my Achilles was giving me no grief. Um, The only reason why I stopped is because I had to get another Achilles surgery and I was just feeling a bit uncomfortable being um, 20 weeks pregnant. I kind of just thought I'm not really benefiting here. I think I'll just wait. And, you know, I haven't started running again yet because I'm only two and a half weeks post birth. But, you know, it's, again, something that I'm just so excited about and to share this next journey with a, you know, with a little boy.
0: Oh, so good. I mean, it's just incredible. Like, I love that you said we're going to have a baby and then later, here we are. Like, it, is, it is a miracle, really. I mean, anyone that has a baby is a miracle. Um, but it is even more so beautiful knowing what has happened and i i really can see how it's healed you i mean it's yeah. just so I feel, beautiful i
1: feel healed like in every possible way and i never no one could have told me that when i was in tokyo they like if someone had said you know next year in june you'll you'll feel completely um content with your life and you wouldn't change anything that happened to that point i'd be like no unless i like win the dillion dollar lottery. Um, There is nothing that can make me that happy, but I'm just so fulfilled in every possible way. And I think it allows me to also create these new goals uh, ahead of me and, and set, you know, that scary ambitious goals, but I just don't know. Part of me feels like I can't achieve more in running um, now that I'm a mum and had two Achilles surgeries. I just think I will come out of this stronger. It'll be, In a different event i I don't think that i'll be able to jump over water barriers um, anytime soon with my new achilles but um you know i definitely have big goals in running and you know i plan on achieving them
0: so can you share what your goals are
1: yeah yeah it's no secret (laughs)
0: um i
1: will i want to move to the roads firstly um i've done a lot of road running in my career and been very successful at it but i want to eventually move up to the marathons and i just think with Paris Olympics in three years away in 2024. I do think my body has enough time to transition and and aim for those Olympics. I may continue running on the track for like a 5k or a 10k, but I think where my passion lies is definitely on the roads, mm. and it is a more uh, sustainable career when you have a family because you know with marathons you pick you know two max or maybe three marathons if you're um, durable and you don't have to travel all year round looking for the european season i mean you could Mm. even do the marathons here in australia we have great marathons here so yeah i've I've set my sights on the long distance stuff and yeah i'm just going to work my way chip away at it this year i I hope by the end of this year i'm racing on the roads maybe just some like 5ks or 10ks Mm. um not i'll do the competitive races but i'm not saying i'll be winning or up there i just want to be back out there Feeling like myself again and kind of showing that, you know, that I still have um, a career on the roads and that, yeah, it just might take me a little bit more time to get there.
0: Well, you've got some amazing people to, you know, help you on the journey. I mean, Eloise has just moved up to the marathon and I'm sure oh, she I'm can very... give you some good tips and you I can train this. together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Like, that's my goal is to get back and be able to train with the girls again and just, yeah, yeah be out there doing some long reps.
0: Yeah, awesome. What was it like for you, like, you know, when you were training pregnant and also how did that help you with your birth? I mean, you don't have to get into detail, but, you know, how was your yeah, but birth? I, I think it did. Like, are you hear lots of terrible stories of
1: athletes trying to um, give birth because they say you're so kind of, you know your muscles are so engaged and tight that a lot of athletes have trouble and i like am one of those people that did way too much research like i asked every single person their birth story like heard all the ins and outs of everyone's like horror stories <laughs> um like i asked eloise so many times uh about like talk taught me through like your birth story but i what i did Um, which was really smart and, you know, I advise anyone in a similar situation to do, because I feel like it's not talked about that much, is see a women's health physio. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so worried that, you know, I would have issues returning to sport after going through pregnancy and then birth. Um, So I just made sure I got all the information that I could possibly get so that I could go into the birth with a plan, not a plan that I had to stick to, but just information there's so much that they can do in that birthing suite but you have you do have a choice for a lot of it Mm -hmm. um and i i went in ryan came in with me obviously and and we just knew everything that we wanted to do and again it didn't necessarily go to plan but i had a choice and um i made we made decisions together and i honestly had the most amazing birth experience Mm -hmm. i was pretty much Two days later, walking to a cafe, feeling great. Um, and a week later, not even any pain or soreness. And I'm not saying that's because of something I did particularly, but it could have gone in any direction. Like mm-hmm. if someone had to come in and said, um, I was struggling to birth him at one point because he was such a big boy. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, like nine pounds. Or
0: something, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: <laughs> overnight, it was four point like zero nine six kilos and just wow. his head was so big. So there was a period there where my midwife and I were kind of like panicking because you know I didn't want forceps I didn't want an emergency cesarean there were so many things that I was scared of um but I was pushing for a really long time and getting pretty fatigued um but it kind of came to a point where if I heard them talking about cesareans I was like no I'm I'm still I can still get him out just give me a chance like just don't don't rush me but I feel like if I didn't know any of that and when I was in so much pain I would have been like oh okay yeah if you want to cut him out you can cut him out but there was just information that i had that helped me make decisions along the way that i'm really really grateful for and i was able to really enjoy besides the pain and the trauma (laughs) i was able to enjoy the experience as much as possible and i'm just so grateful for my midwife and my women's health physio and and people that guided me through that whole experience
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um but I think being an athlete helped. like the pushing phase is tiring. Like Ryan was handing me sports drinks and like patting me on the back. Like I was in the boxing ring. Like it was <laughs> so exhausting. Um, and I think the way our bodies are, our pelvic floor and everything that's allowed me to return to normal really well. Like I honestly feel strong and my stomach's still a bit, cushy and it'll need work but my pelvic floor and everything is strengthening back to normal very quickly and I just think it's trying to return to the the state it was in before pregnancy and it's just all muscle memory really so yeah I think
0: like that women you know a lot of women sort of feel like they need to rush back to pre-pregnancy like I mean anyone ever goes back to exactly like they were before I mean I've had three kids you certainly don't after number three but, but like you know Does it matter to you anyway? Like now that you've got Archer in your arms?
1: No, it's kind of scary a little bit because I obviously haven't started doing anything yet and they've told me to wait till six weeks, but I'm just loving doing nothing but feeding him nursing him and fueling up so that i can feed him some more yeah. like i'm just loving the days at the moment and i said to ryan like i'm a little bit scared like at some point i'm gonna to have to go back to training hours a day and it's hard to imagine doing that right now um i'm just so content with not worrying about you know getting my body back into the shape to do the hard training it needs to do um I'm just, yeah, I, I think rushing is only a bad thing in this situation. Your body goes through the most amazing adaptations to create a human, grow it, and then birth it. So um, the last thing any woman should do is feel like they need to snap back into that, that pre-pregnancy um, shape because it's only going to harm you in the long run. I think you just let your body naturally find where it used to be and and look after your baby.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, now Arch is here and your routine is totally different to before he was here. What has yes. been some of the challenges that you've faced being a new mum? I
1: would say the only challenge right now, and this is still very new, like I said, we're not even at three weeks yet, yeah. um, is I am a hyperactive person and I like potter around the house all day doing things, whether it's working on my laptop and like working on our business or cleaning like ryan thinks that i'm you know i hold more energy than any other human he knows and with a baby you can't do anything like he does sleep a lot but you can't just put them down in a bed and then go about your day um i've just found that i just don't do anything i (laughs) sit on the couch and i feed him and i watch netflix and i sleep with him and i a a day will go by and i've ticked nothing off my to-do list and i've been completely useless but (laughs) weird because I don't feel guilty and I'm like enjoying this because it won't be forever poor Ryan he's just have to fend for himself right now because um, me and Archer are just chilling on the couch all day watching Netflix
0: what's your favorite Netflix series
1: well at the moment I'm I say Netflix at the moment we're watching a paramount series called the air um and it's five seasons I think that's why we locked into it because we wanted something to kind of we started it well before birth um we wanted to just chip away at something that was kind of mind-numbing and (laughs) dramatic and there's lots of different storylines in the one story um are watching that at the moment and enjoying it and we kind of get an hour or two together at night um before we
0: start the day all over again uh it's nice to be in the baby bubble. <laughs> it really is. I love the baby bubble. <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't last forever, but while you've got it, I say take it. <laughs> it's no. the best time.
1: I'm still running on the um the endorphins and the fumes of of birth, so I am just I don't want that to ever wear out. So I'm just enjoying the downtime of just being our little family here at home and um also having a million visitors stop by, but I guess it <laughs> It's nice. Everyone's just so happy for us and everyone's obsessed with Archer.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I'm sure they are. Like, is he the first grandchild?
1: On my side, yeah. So Ryan's sister had one last year. I had a little boy. Um, so it's the second on his side. But on my side, it's the first. And, yeah, my mum swears that she thought she was never going to get them because my brothers and I are all you know, in our mid thirties nearly, and she was just dying for a grandchild, but, um, she spends lots of time here. We do a little shift. She usually comes in at four in the morning and takes him so I can get a few hours sleep, but, um, it's just been so fun. It feels like we're on holiday. <laughs> just having <laughs> overs. <laughs>
0: And you've relocated up to the, is it Brisbane or the Gold Coast? Yeah,
1: we're we're in Brisbane. Um, Again, when I found out I was pregnant, we kind of just thought it was a no-brainer because all my family are here and we knew that everyone would be so hands-on and helpful. Um, And because we knew we didn't want to retire from running, we knew we'd need help. So we ended up buying a house January this year um, just in time to make it our home before Archer arrived. And it's just been really lovely.
0: Mm, That's so nice. So what do you envisage like the next sort of, I don't know, two years till the next Olympics looking like for you? I mean, fitting in a baby and all of that amongst your training when you finally do get back to training, how do you think you'll make that work within your family dynamic?
1: Yeah, I think it sounds like it's going to be really difficult, but we're really lucky again with Ryan and I We're both athletes. We're both still um, planning on, you know, having a professional career running. Um, We started an online running coaching business, which is so great for me because it allows us to work from home. So I have Ryan at home with me all the time if I need him. Um, And, that is probably a big one for mums that are trying to you know do a professional sport because you do need help when you train for hours at a time um you can't do that with a little infant needing you so i think what we've discussed is we're going to do shift training so i'm a morning person i think i'll pretty much wake up feed him and then go about my training and just get it all done we have our garage set up with a treadmill and a cross trainer and a bike and everything we need but even if i'm going out for runs or doing sessions ryan will stay home with the baby Um, and then during the day we'll just do as we've been doing um mum will obviously be there to help out to look after him if we need to get work done and then in the evening ryan's definitely it night person so he loves doing all his running and training in the evening when his body's kind of warmer and ready to go Mm -hmm. so yeah that's when he'll do all his training so the only main difference is we used to do all our training together um, whereas now we will have to kind of sacrifice the company with of one another to um doing our training separate but I'll find a training partner, he'll have one as well and we'll just work around it that way.
0: Mm. And when it
1: comes to racing, we might have to just, yeah, take a parent along to be yeah. the nanny. Um, but, again, we won't plan on doing any big trips away until we have our eyes set on, like, a, a really important race that requires us to kind of go all out for and then we'll probably
0: all go. Yeah. And yeah. how cute to have your little buddy on the sidelines. Yeah, <laughs> Eventually, she'll be Yeah, <laughs> be so fun <laughs> are you feeding at the moment
1: yeah non-stop because he's already put on nearly a kilo <laughs>
0: wow i can't believe that you even carried a four kilo baby i mean just highly- i know no the midwife
1: was in shock she's like i did not know that you were gonna have that inside you she's like
0: yeah i don't know how he came
1: through your pelvis the <laughs> poor boy he had so many like like he was swollen on his face just because he had to like bang through my pelvis to get out, but he's doing really well. And he honestly doesn't stop eating. I actually heard him crying before poor Ryan's down there, oh,
0: nice. and,
1: but I like, he doesn't, he feeds whenever he wakes up and that could be every hour sometimes. But my midwife said that it's good. He's putting on the pounds and oh, um, that always means a happy baby
0: yeah absolutely well we'll, we will finish up before i do the rma hot lap which is where we finish up the podcast i did want to ask about your coaching business so gregson Mm -hmm. running Mm -hmm. what is it that you love about coaching other athletes and not being the athlete being coached at the moment
1: (laughs) well what i love most about um what we're doing right now is I like not being at the elite level and everything being so cutthroat and so, um, you know, one slip up and it's like you failed. Mm-hmm. With our runners, a lot of them are just, yeah, everyday recreational runners that want to be better at the park run or, you know, want to run a half marathon for the first time. And it's just it's such a better environment to be in. And, like, when you're talking to them, it doesn't have to be so black and white and really cutthroat it's you know they're doing it because they enjoy it and they have these goals for lifestyle reasons um and at the moment we've got a really good bunch of people like we just had um a athlete do his first marathon and crack three all he wanted to do was crack three, three hours and i remember thinking like he came here 12 weeks ago and was running 18k a week and he wants to run under three hours for the marathon like it was a challenge like a really fun challenge because it was about getting him there healthy um, and trying to bridge the gap from not really running to running a marathon. And he ended up running two hours 58. And it's like crazy (laughs) because we get the news and it's just like, it's so exciting that I never thought I could be so excited about one, someone else, some random person that contacted us. And two, that, Um, you know it's not elite time but it was a really really cool um, barrier for him to break and it's really motivating so we have found a lot of pleasure out of just getting everyday people and just investing in them um, and getting to know them as well like you know they're all congratulating me for having a baby and um, you know they're on this journey now which is going to be so fun because I've got a lot ahead of me and um, I get to bring a whole Clump of clients along with me and um, have a little cheer squad.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a beautiful journey for you, like moving forward with your athletes and meshing that with your own goals. Um, yeah. I think community is really special. Um, yep. And like there's so many different running clubs and groups and communities and coaching groups are out there, but it's nice. It's I mean there's room for more. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's so yeah. much room for more. And I think it's yeah. nice to be able to share that. Like if people wanted to get in contact, where could they find more information?
1: Yep. So we have everything advertised on our Instagram, both Ryan and I. So mine's just Genjen underscore Lacars. And Ryan's is Ryan Gregson25. Um so our Instagram has links in our bios to the website. And obviously the website has all the information you need, but it's pretty much just people come through the contact form and then we get in touch with them and we go from there. We kind of usually just ask what your goals are, what, what you want to achieve. And um, yeah, we, we love getting new clients and we love meeting new people. And we have pretty much anyone from the age of 14 Mm -hmm. to um, maybe 55 is our oldest, but we take we do not discriminate. And a lot of people thought for a while that they had to be elite because we were coaching you. Mm. Um, we t- we love the recreationals. We love any goal, um, or even we've got people that just want to um, be healthy. They just want to run and have a structured program so that they're healthier. And um, you know they might have a goal to lose a certain amount of weight, but it's just been um, a refreshing side job for us you know it's not a full-time job it's just something we do to keep our minds out of the elite world and and enjoying running for what it is just a fun community um, and good sport
0: i'm sure people will get so much out of having you guys on part of their team i mean that's great i mean incredible to have coaches such as yourselves with all your experience all right we're going to finish up with the hot lap now so it's just five questions that i've put together for you. -hmm. Uh, So the first one is what has been your greatest moment as an athlete?
1: As an athlete, probably qualifying for the London Olympics. Um, I did it at a race in Indiana. Indiana. It was at Indianapolis. It was at 11 o'clock at night. It was my last chance, like absolute last chance to get the time. And I wrote the splits on my hand. Um, My dad was there and yeah, I just ran it to a T, like hit the splits like you wouldn't believe and then had a really good last lap and took nine seconds off my pb yeah. um and yeah contacted australia and waited for them to let me be in the olympics but um as i've told today it was just the sliding door moment for me to choose doing that race it it made my career what it is today and yeah i don't know where i'd be if i didn't run that race
0: That's incredible um okay the next one is what has been a highlight of motherhood so far
1: um oh just like birthing him into the world i'll never forget that day i think because also most mums probably experience this like the labor and everything going so long and you kind of get to a point where you start to doubt that you'll ever have a baby in your hands because it just feels like this forever wait yeah. um but him coming out and you know, Ryan and I both just holding him, staring at each other, being like, oh my God, look at this human. I think that'll just forever go down as like a highlight because it was the beginning of, you know, the the life together, the three of us.
0: Mm, so precious. All right. The next one is what advice would you give to a new mum?
1: Um I think the best advice I can give, and I think I was given it, is relaxing in motherhood i think we hear and read so much and it's such a stressful time already i mean you're working off no sleep with a newborn it's all new um you are constantly worried that you're doing everything right and you're worried that they're healthy and safe and i think the best thing I've been able to do is not be anxious and relax and they feel everything. So if you're tight and wound up and and nervous and anxious and upset or depressed, they feel it. And I think they kind of vibe off your energy. So I've really tried to enjoy it as much as possible, but also relax. And, um, you know, that time together is so special when they're a newborn and I don't want to miss a second. And I just feel like our little, bubble is just so calm. Like he's been such a good baby. And I think it's because I'm being, try- I'm trying to be calm and, um, you know, look after him the best way I can without being, um, a little bit insane or chaotic <laughs> with the times, but it's, it's so important to be easy on yourself because I think so many mothers put themselves through hell trying to do everything they're told to do right, especially breastfeeding. I know that can be a really difficult time for a lot of mums. um, just, be gentle on yourself so that you and Bob can relax together and not feel the stress of, of this new beginning.
0: Mm, good advice. All right, the next one is what is your go-to recovery tip? Um, I think fueling. Uh, I think so many
1: people train really hard work really hard towards a goal and probably then think they need to really watch what they eat. And in the end, um, probably don't feel themselves good enough. And that's where in my past injuries have come into play. Um, obviously sleep is another really, really important thing, but, for me, if I'm fueling correctly, even now breastfeeding, like I have to eat so much more. And it's so important that being underfueled is the worst feeling in the world because it kind of eats away at every part of your life, mm. um, not just the training aspect. So if I'm in full training, the number one thing that I focus on is that, Am I getting enough protein? Am I getting enough carbs? Um, you will recover so much better if you are fueled
0: properly. Mm. And we could do a whole podcast about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last one is, if you could teach Archer one thing about life, what would it be?
1: Um, it would be use any adversity that you face as an opportunity to make a change and head towards another goal. Because I feel like in every part of my life where something bad has happened, I've grieved it, as you do, but create an opportunity that led me somewhere even better afterwards. And, yeah, that's how I got here.
0: Mm. well thanks so much for joining us Jan I've had such a great chat with you I can't wait to share this with the world um, everyone's going to get so much out of this podcast and it's really exciting to watch your journey to motherhood unfold
1: No, thanks for having me. Um, They were really good questions and I loved the chat because I now get to talk about Archer. don't have many podcasts where I'm talking about Archer. He didn't exist.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. This is one of your first ones. I'm sure there'll be many more of those to come. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, darling. No, thank you. Well, I hope you loved this episode with Genevieve Gregson. You can follow on Genevieve's adventures with motherhood and her athletic pursuits over on instagram at jenjen underscore Lacaz, or you can look up gregson running at gregson running on instagram as well and i'll put all those links in the show notes for you thank you for joining us on the rma podcast i look forward to bringing you another episode in a few weeks time for now i hope you are safe and well wherever you are please head over and subscribe, rate and review the podcast and share this with your friends.